Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of Romancing Our Stones. Uh, I am Matt Bergner here with uh, my co-pilot, as always, Alex. Hello, hello. And it's a very special episode for us today because uh, we have uh, an incredible guest here with us uh, on this call already. Um, Not only is he a very talented movie maker, uh, producer, writer, also one of the greatest guys I've ever met. I enjoy him very much. Uh, we have Brent Kraft on the podcast. He is the director, producer, and writer. And even the small scene that you were in, star of the show, of the movie, Ladylike, which is available now on Netflix. That's Lady with a hyphen like on Netflix. So, Brent, thanks so much for being with us, man. Thanks for uh, the flattery, and thanks for having me uh, on the show. I appreciate it. So yeah, there's a little you. disclaimer. Brent and I, um, we were we were teammates together in college, and uh, you know. We, uh, we had a special relationship because Brent made me catch balls after practice. Um, every single day we had to do 40 throws over the head to the side, to the left, to the right. And he <laughs> rewarded me by taking me to get a milkshake at the cafeteria. Shake, shake it up. <laughs> shake it up, baby. Um, so it's good to see you. It's been a, it's been a while. Hey, I got to ask this, you guys, what, what is a Hoya? That is correct. I, I'm the, <laughs> what rocks? I don't know. I don't know if I can break out the whole Georgetown Hoya Saxon tale. <laughs> well, I had to. I had to go for it. One of yeah, my fondest memories, though, was uh, Brent pouring this um, on initiation day, pouring some mystery smoothie on top of my head when I was in a onesie. Um, that was kind of fun, too. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know if I remember that very clearly. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. if I <laughs> Did I haze you? Yeah, you did a little bit. I mean, it's cool. I talked to my therapist about it for a while, so I'm getting over it, uh, which is good. But um, it's before it got unpopular. So I don't know if I was a real hazer. I was more like, let's just hang out. Yeah, you were. You were. You. You then you, then you brought me some apple pucker, I think, and then we became friends again. Good. 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 Sorry. Maybe I just wanted to fit in with the older guys that were picking on the younger guys. I was like, I guess I have to be mean. You might have. You might have saw that twinkle in his eye when he felt just completely betrayed and then yeah. that's probably when he got nice to him like, oh, I was damn, like oh man why am I being such a jerk I can't pour a smoothie <laughs> on that face yeah. come on so I wish kind. it was a smoothie I think there was mustard in it but that's also okay. for, for such a soft-spoken nice man uh Matt is, is quite a banger on the football field pretty tough guy yeah that's why I have no brain cells left so it's all <laughs> it's all good um so you know Growing up, my dad always said, or I looked at myself and I saw my skill set and I realized that I wasn't going to accomplish much. So I was going to attach my trailer to people that have. And that's why I'm friends with you. And um, man, you produced and wrote and directed a movie. I mean, I didn't know this was a passion of yours when we were together. I mean, where did this idea come from? I know you played uh, pro ball overseas for a little bit, um, but when did this whole idea to do this movie kind of come into fruition for you? Yeah, actually, I played in the Arena League, not overseas, but I am doing a documentary on uh, pro football overseas uh, with also about a guy that uh, played at Georgetown, Nick Alfieri. Oh, yeah. Um, I I was actually writing at college. I was just real, like, I didn't know what I was doing. So I would just write scenes, like comedy scenes. And on the offensive buses, which is why you probably never saw it, uh, I would pass it around. So I showed, like, Rob Lane and I show a few guys and try to get them to laugh. That's how I started screenwriting, but I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just writing scenes and trying to get people to laugh. And that was kind of like a little bit of the, I guess, like one of the starting points of it. But I had done some, you know, some video production stuff in high school. And I was like always into editing and stuff in iMovie and all that. 
Well, the movie is really beautifully shot. I mean, the the camera work is fantastic in the cut scene, transition scenes. And I love the music. Did you, were you involved? I mean, as a director, you know, I've only directed my home videos uh, with uh, my iPhone. I mean, how much do you have your hands in on every transition, camera angle, fade in, fade out? You have your hands on a lot, especially in a smaller movie, the more hands-on everything is. Um, as far as how good it looks, it's definitely a, a huge credit to the cinematographer. His name is Jake Bolgarino. Um, I was looking for someone out of Washington, D.C., and it's, it's a different talent pool than Los Angeles, as everyone would imagine. So it's tough to find no, no knock on, on D.C. cinematographers, but it's, it's not as competitive of a marketplace. So it's not the industry out there. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's tough to find someone. Um, you know, you, you know, I have a high bar for everything or try to. Yeah. Uh, so you want someone to shoot, you know, a film and something that can really like, you know, stand out. Uh, so I was very lucky to find Eastward Films and, and Jake, and, and he was hugely helpful in the shot list. Cause I, you know, I was going in my first feature, I was going in pretty blind or I had a lot of blind spots. Mm -hmm. um, so he was super helpful in making it look good. Um, did I, I think I answered at least half the question. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's one of the things I noticed. Uh, Cause you know, we were watching it, like I said, we were, we were rewatching it last night, just, you know, taking some final notes on it. And uh, <clears throat> you know, Matt texted me and goes, so what do you think? I'm like, I, honestly, I love, I mean, for, for being a straight to Netflix film, I wouldn't have guessed that the cinematography was fantastic. I kept telling Matt, I'm like, I love the way it's being shot. And I love the angles, even, even the actor, the actresses and actors that you found as well. Yeah, uh, they did a great job. They're not B level actors, in my opinion. Like yeah. they really owned their role. And I don't know, it's probably, they, they, did they adapt a whole lot of who they were personally? Just kind of brought that forth in the character? Or how, how did you, how did you direct those? Yeah, that's a good question. I, to be completely honest, I, th I think I, and I had help with, I had a really important right-hand man throughout the whole process. Also a Georgetown guy, Matthew Nemeth. Um, so he'd worked for Scott Rudin, a, a sort of a, a famous producer in New York. So he's a ton of experience and he helped with the story and, and just every little nuance to, that goes into production. Um, but I think we did a good job with the main characters, but we kind of struggled with some of the minor characters. Like I knew the main roles well, I, th I think I got their voices, but a lot of the minor role characters, like even when we were shooting, like the lines weren't landing exactly. So we kind of like let them take reign a bit and, and they would sort of adjust the line or tweak it or come up with what they want to say. And I think that saved a lot of the, um, a lot of their parts, you know, got a lot better because of that. Oh, wow. Yeah, I thought I thought it was, it was very believable. I mean, just yeah. the relationship between all the girls in the house, each one having a special quirk about them. I mean, how, so my question to you is, you know, you're a male writing a, a female coming of age, you know, comedy. Um, how, how was that? I mean, did you have to read a book on uh, biology or, you know, I mean, did you cross-reference <laughs> yeah. your notes with any girlfriends or, I mean, how did you kind of get the tone right for writing for a female character? Yeah. So I, I was, it was kind of loosely based off of a group of um, lacrosse girls at Georgetown. Um, a couple of them I found incredibly funny. So I, I was close friends with them and I, I think I got to know their voice and their, you know, what, why I found them funny and you know all that uh and we did we even passed it I had you know girls read it to get like is this believable enough am I you know too far off off base and, and all this um so that helped a lot mm -hmm. uh 
and then uh, you know i think it's such a collaborative medium if you're open enough i think like the actors can improve a lot of the like the little things that maybe you you can't nail uh people can kind of round that round that out whether it's wardrobe and set uh like set design tweaking lines how they deliver it all that 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 really helps so the collaborate collaboration really helps uh, I thought it, I thought it shown through that the actress that played Allie was was great. I mean, she I believe mm-hmm. that she is that character a hundred percent. And yeah. you know, I, I I Alex and I were talking about this morning because we do most of our good conversations off the podcast, off the mics. Um, <laughs> All the bad stuff happens. But, um, <laughs> tell, tell you about it. But we were I was curious, like, are we was the character of Allie written to be liked or or to be understood over time? I mean, because she comes off abrasive at front and then she mm-hmm. kind of goes through this journey recognizing trying too hard she tries too hard recognizing her character 100%. arc i mean how did you envision Allie? no that's a good question she is she's trying too hard and that's kind of you know a large point of the movie um i think that i don't always get concerned and maybe this is a flaw in my writing of, of whether someone is, is likable I, I want them to sort of be real and living in, in reality and, and making the mistakes that we all make Mm-hmm. And I think there's some sort of likability in that once you sort of understand their perspective. Um, so I wasn't always concerned of making her super likable. Um, I do think we see she cares for her best friend and she's yes. willing to do things for her and that kind of has her back. And so that inherently sort of helps her be rootable. Um, but no, I think that's like we did walk the line and at times in the notes on the script, I would get that or feedback on the cut people were like, well, is this hero likable? And I, and I always sort of felt that, uh, I don't know that people always want to see likable characters. I think they want to see relatable characters. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I think that's good. And is there any part of you in this movie? I know I will there. So there's a part that there's a part when they were playing lacrosse and she kind of sandbags them a little bit about being a college athlete. And it kind of t- she talks about the struggles of being a, and the rigors and the demands of being a college yeah. athlete. I kind of saw you in that a little bit um, just because, you know, you were uh, athlete and it was, it was something that you put a lot of strength and you were yeah. also a good student. So, I mean, were there parts of you in the movie that you wrote into? That's, I mean, that's super insightful, Matt. So well done. Uh, I, w- I would say that I actually think I didn't do the best job writing the male characters because I was so obsessed with getting the, you know, the, the ladies right. But that was the one scene I was like, oh, I think I did a good job with this scene. And I, it came from a place of truth of like this idea of like, we work so hard in college sports to excel. And, and, and I even had a good amount of success in college sports. And then you at the same time, you realize, like, is this really worth it? Like, is this worth the demands I'm putting on both myself, my time, and my body? Like, mm-hmm. and I'm not always sure it is. Well, I think uh, a lot of people don't realize either that, I mean, being a professional, or not professional, when you're a college athlete, I mean, you're looking at 60 hours minimum because they yeah. don't realize that it's, you're working out and you're stretching and training and running before class, and then you've got class, and then after class is film, and then after film is practice. And by the time you're done with practice, it's six o'clock, maybe seven. And uh, that's if you didn't do any kind of recovery afterwards, yeah. in ice bath. And then now it's time to study. So it's like people don't realize if you take in the student athlete portfolio, it's a 90, 100 hour a week job. People don't realize it's, that. It's demanding for sure. No, I agree completely. And it's, it's, it can definitely be overlooked. And at a place like Georgetown, it's almost funny at a place like Georgetown, it can be even worse because I think as a football player, right, you're not getting, 
you know, the same sort of praise and joy you might get from playing at Alabama, but like you're still not doing less amounts of work. Like mm-hmm. everything is, all these programs mimic each other. So, you're, yep. you know, every, every program is running it the same way and you're putting that same devotion, mm-hmm. but like people were sort of like, you know, there's no ESPN at your games and you're not like, you get a little less of that sort of satisfaction. You're not a big deal. Someone must not yeah. be as hard. Right. And then on top of it, you know, it is a, there's a lot of smart people at, at Georgetown. Um, so there's a lot to keep up with academically too. So it's, a, it's definitely a challenge. And at times I wonder like, is this worth it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it, I, I, that's actually, I mean, a great point too. I mean, just my experience of being a college you know, football player at Georgetown, it's like, you know, the kids were so smart and then automatically if you're wearing a football shirt, you know, you're, you get deemed that you shouldn't be here. Yeah. You're mm. lucky. And then you mm. also, then you like, we get like, we got Which like. Courtney kind of touches on in their conversation. She's like, I think I, I think I didn't deserve to get in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, which and then, I think I always feel, and athletes feel a little bit like that of like, uh, yeah, I completely they snuck on? in. Yep. Yeah. And I would laugh too because we would get like a T-shirt that would say like fortified with iron, like fanatical mm. effort, and we're like all fired up. And then the basketball team would walk by with their Jordans and their yeah. and all their bags and their cool sweats, and we're kind of like, yeah, well, our T-shirts are kind of cool too, you know. Yeah. So it's yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. The basketball program is definitely another level at Georgetown, and, and mm-hmm. Jordan's support of it doesn't hurt. <laughs> yes, it, that's very true. And um, something what about I, what about like, at Colorado? Was it much different, like going to that experience? It was a it was a kind of a big um, one eighty in the sense that you know we at Georgetown we football was probably fourth in line in mm-hmm. school I would say that the lacrosse team mm-hmm. and then there were the baseball team we were probably fourth and then basketball being first mm-hmm. um, in men's sports and when I went to Colorado we all of a sudden became the number one team mm-hmm. and uh, Alex played oh, still not good but number one in Alex priority. came in. Uh, with us too and you know it's just different you you run out in front of uh 70,000 fans behind a buffalo I mean it's pretty fucking sweet yeah Um, (laughs) you know and then you know you would you would come into the locker room and in your locker would be new cleats new shirts new shorts all and we were uh we were a test school for Nike so we were like at the same tier as Oregon in the sense that we got uh certain new product that they wanted to push out so it was a little bit of a different experience I mean you know going from like a recruited player at Georgetown to a walk-on player mm-hmm. in Colorado, like yeah. my status changed entirely. I mean, not that they didn't yeah. treat me unfairly, but all of a sudden it's, uh, you know, you're expendable where at yeah. Georgetown yeah. it's like, they have to do, they have a tiered system. They have a very, yeah. you know, way to get it done. So it's kind of, a, it was a kind of a different little feel, yeah. but you know, I still check my Hoyas every, every, every week during the fall to see how they did. You know. <laughs> good, good. You know, they don't have the uh, the leadership of Brent Kraft anymore. But uh, <laughs> Coach Scarlett is doing a good job over there. Yeah, I'll, I'll like, and Coach Scar reaches out to me on Instagram. And, and oh, that's that awesome. Stuff. They actually just had a receiver sign with uh, the Ravens, so hopefully he sticks. I saw oh, that. Wow. Yeah. So speaking of Georgetown, what I like a lot about this movie too, that I don't think that the average person would get this, this is a very much a love letter to Georgetown. Even though I got all, that vibe. All, the, um, all the actual on-campus stuff was not Georgetown, except for the steps – that one scene mm-hmm. of the steps. So how oh, really, how did, uh-huh. so was that Princeton? The in, interiors were Princeton. And yeah, I guess like some of the, the real campus stuff was Princeton, except those, the shots you recognize. Yeah. Uh-huh. So 
did Georgetown not allow filming on, did you approach them or how'd that go? I did approach them and it was quite unsuccessful. And I vocalized my disappointment with how unsuccessful it was. As you know, I I can tend to do. I explained (laughs) to them how many Hoyas uh, were part of the project and what that amounted Mm -hmm. in terms of tuition and how I thought they maybe should have handled it a little more appropriately. <laughs> but I quantified that nice. Didn't say it quite as poetically. I did like how <laughs> I did like how you like filmed a couple scenes right outside the gates because I was public yeah. property. And it's like mm-hmm. you can't you can't touch me. But you know, you also <laughs> featured a lot of great local businesses in that yeah. area. Is so, that kitchen number one, the Chinese food restaurant too? Do you remember? That was my oh, favorite. I don't remember where we got the Chinese from. I actually think, I think like the take, the to-go boxes and stuff. Yeah, with a happy face have been. I think it might have been kitchen number one. And then the pizza place that's down by Rhino. Uh, Which is, ne- is no longer gone there. Philly Pizza, I think, is gone. Philly Peas, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, but it was funny when I first brought this cinematographer, because at one point we were considering working with a Baltimore crew, and they were trying to persuade us to shoot it in Baltimore. And I explained, like, that we could call more favors at a place like Georgetown because we knew people still living in the area and they could open up their backyards or what have you. Um, But it was also sort of like, not that Baltimore is not beautiful, but there is something that's sort of wild about Georgetown. You walk around that place and it looks like a proper sort of like movie set. When I brought the cinematographer there and we were walking around, it was two or three of us just to sort of location scout. He's like, you cannot go wrong. Every, every street you go down here, it's like, this is like some of the most picturesque mm-hmm. streets I've ever seen. So I definitely wanted to, to shoot that and, and capture that. And I think he did a, a great job. It, uh, Alex, so the tombs is one of the most famous bars in Georgetown that they filmed when she would, went out in the towel. Um, oh yeah. That's, so that was kind of fun to see them get on board with being involved in it. Um, that was super awesome. Yeah. They let us in there and they let us shoot. And that was super awesome of them. And, and to have the scene outside with the bouncer and stuff, if you've been yes. to Georgetown, it, there's something sort of like about it. That's like, Oh, that's a nice. That's right oh, next to the uh, exorcist house. Uh, the movie from the exorcist, the house from the exorcist. And oh, really? Is right, right next to tombs. Yeah. So uh-huh. that was in the background. I don't know if you couldn't really, no, you, pick you up had a, that. yeah. So was, I was, I loved it. Cause it was a love letter to Georgetown and mm-hmm. literally seeing them walk around going into YZ's, um, market and then going mm-hmm. into the tombs and, and then talking about M Street going down to the monuments at night is something that I experienced yeah. as a student there granted I didn't have a hunky guy walking around actually I went with you once so I did um, <laughs> so it, uh, it's, it's so that cool. seems a love letter to you Matt then yeah. just chalk that on I up. saw myself in a lot of this movie too when they Were went you out to get, when they went no, to get ice Allie. cream to talk cool. that was me and, uh, me and Brent shaking it up I, yeah I could that was us uh, shaking it up <laughs> <laughs> just shaking it up yeah. I had a lot of real life inspo to pull from. Yeah. I want to, I want to ask you, I want to talk to you about um, that scene at tombs. I thought that was, in my opinion, I thought that was the most real scene, probably one of the most impactful scenes in the movie, in my opinion. Um, well, I think you. because you thank captured you. the, the codependent relationship so well there. Cause you start to get this vibe from Ali is, is, you're not, necessarily, you're not necessarily feeling sorry for her, but you're like, man, mm-hmm. this girl's just not doing anything for herself. Yeah. And, and she, like you said, yeah, like you said, she's just, you, it's a real character. You're not supposed to like her or, or hate her, but it's kind of each to each his own. Yeah. And so I, I'm watching this alley just kind of start kind of spiraling down and then she absolutely loses it because she's hanging her entire life on Courtney's actions. Yeah. And because she finds a boyfriend, she finds herself without purpose. 
yeah and without direction and and so i thought that was one of the best the best scenes in the whole movie where like finally like for me it really clicked into like i was i was in at that moment because she courtney just like she just goes off on her but she she nails everything and she's not rude about it but she's like this is this these are the reasons why yeah. like, i'm not going to travel abroad with you like you need to take care of yourself like take some responsibility yeah and i don't know about you but i feel like almost every person at one point in their life can have that has had that conversation they've either been the instigator or they've been the one that it's been directed towards because mm-hmm. i feel like at some point if like junior high high school whatever what have you we become codependent on something for sure or for someone sure. so yeah. like that that was a really like really strong emotional moment for me in the movie and i really no, that's that. awesome it's <laughs> awesome to hear and i completely agree i think one, I, I think Ali Gallarani, the, the actress that played Court, and I think she, she did a great job. She really nailed that moment. And it's funny, like, we had beer as a prop, but we were also, she was, like, taking sips of it, like, during the cut. So I think she was, like, uh, Stephanie Simbari that played um, Ali. Was, mm-hmm. She was starting to, you know, unravel herself, which I think... She played a and, great tipsy girl, for sure. And it, and it was such an... It was we asked so much from her throughout the production on, on a, on a super tight schedule that I think it was sort of wearing on her as well. So it's sort of all like, I think played in, into um, the scene, Mm. but, uh, but I agree. Like I think so often in life, right. We, it's not always like the real obstacle. That's our obstacle. It's, it's something else that we sort of insert in the way. And then we tell ourselves that's what's preventing us from getting where we want to go. So I, I agree. Like, I think we've all kind of been there in our own, our own way. And did that actor have an issue getting it up or was that something that you wrote up, wrote in? <laughs> yeah, something Matt focuses on the uh, pillars <laughs> of the movie, as you can see. The tragic hero story. Yeah. 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 I'm struggling with my own issues. I just wanted to know if I'm a, <laughs> I was, that guy was really relatable to me for some How reason. Fix that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The doctor note from him. Um, was that, um, was that first party scene at Brent's house? There was at Brent Thomason's. Yeah, I, I yeah, that was super cool of him to let us use his backyard. I recognize um, that. I was like, oh, that's, that's, I know that. I know that backyard. Yeah, yeah, good call. And I saw Wait, a the couple, date night scene. Saw, is that what you guys are talking the, about? When she first when she first meets when she makes the Ben Affleck the Gone Girl, mm-hmm. which is a great oh. joke. Was that your joke? No, all credit for that one was Matthew Nemeth. He would always write these jokes. And a lot of them like were good jokes, but they wouldn't fit the world. And when he wrote that one, I was like, "That's gold. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I like <laughs> and I was that." Was like, "We got to get that in." So that uh, all credit goes to Matthew Nemeth on that one. And I That's saw awesome. a couple. I saw a couple uh, football players walking down the hall. In your, yeah, in in your in your movie too. So it's fun to fun to see some familiar. Oh yeah, we had, we had a couple because Nick Alfieri, the guy I'm working on the football doc with, was there as uh, sort of like a co-producer, but helping as a production aide in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So he got some of the George, the Georgetown football guys that were still there for the summer to sort of, you know, be extras, which was awesome. And then Darren too, walking around as yeah. Kevin. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty funny. Um, so what, how did you, how did you land Beverly D'Angelo? Cause that's a pretty good name to land in the movie. Did you approach her? Or she approached you? We approached, we approached her. Uh, she was the dean, right? Correct. Correct. She's yeah. the dean. And she's like most, most famous for the... Vacation um, movies. Yeah, the Natural Lampoon's Vacation and, and, movies. And which, Entourage. Yeah, and she was uh, Bev in Entourage, which is, you know, at one point was the most popular TV show. She also married Al Pacino, uh, and I think they have kids together. 
Hmm. Oh, wow. um, so she's kind of like a piece of Hollywood history, which was super cool that she, you know, she took the part and that she did it, especially in such a small movie. We just came at her with a direct offer. Uh, she read it and she took it and it was great. I mean, there was some negotiation, which mm-hmm. was really funny because her agent was like this old time Hollywood agent, he was sort of later in his 70s. And he was he was really funny because I was like really... For some reason, he would only like talk to me on the phone, not none of the other producers. He's like, because I made the first call, and he's, I guess, an older man. Um, and he's like, I know. And I was like, I was like, Jack, I don't know what to tell you, man. We don't have any, any more money. And he's like, I know you don't got any money. He's like, or else you wouldn't have offered what you offered her. Like, you know what I mean? Meaning, like, I, I guess. You lowballed her. We love all her, but only because that's all we had. Yeah, which, which for you guys is all ball. You're like, we're yeah, all ball. Like, are right you now. kidding? That was like. 10 times the contract of anyone else. <laughs> uh, and, and then at the end, which was really, really funny in like a very like old Hollywood way, he's like, good luck with the picture. I was like, oh, <laughs> thanks, man. It was cool. You're like, no, it's a movie, not a picture. <laughs> yeah. So, did, so um, did having Beverly attached help you get into Netflix or how was the process of getting on Netflix? Is that something you handled or your agent or how do you handle getting on Netflix? Yeah, the Netflix thing is interesting, and it's and it's funny because like we sort of we tried and we failed with this movie a couple of times until we succeeded. Um, but we held this big, I had this idea that we could hold this big premiere in Los Angeles for everyone that worked on the movie to to sort of feel that satisfaction. Um, and then also, I thought it could be good for my career and, and and the movie to sell it and get distribution and and hopefully get me signed. So I pushed and I pushed for us to get this big premiere done. We put more money than I would like to put put into it and it was fantastic like we got a ton of people I was like working for weeks to get people to come and like hitting people up on Instagram and it was this huge like night and a spectacle and we did it at the academy in Beverly Hills and it was phenomenal I was like oh we did it well, this is great like agents are gonna call something's gonna happen and then nothing like nothing happened after I mean a few lawyers reached out and was like stay in touch you you'll have a bright future but nothing happened um so I was very bummed and I felt very uh vain that I forced all this to happen and then it didn't do what I thought it would for the movie mm-hmm. um so eventually we we found a sales agent um and he they submitted it to Netflix and lucky enough a, an executive that came from Netflix was now in a new seat at Netflix in acquisitions now and, and he wasn't at the time so he had been to the premiere, had a great time. And he was like, oh, I'm aware of this title. We'll, we'll definitely consider it. Uh-huh. it you know, I, and I think the premiere definitely helped because it played really well that night. And there was a lot of um, young women there that like laughed and connected to it. So it sort of helped be a nice case study. Um, so then they offered and we negotiated and we, we made a deal. So it all sort of worked out. But there was a big stretch there where it, it, uh, it looked like a big mistake. But <laughs> that's that's how I got there and, and having Beverly a part of it definitely definitely helped. Well, I, I know that you've been concerned. I just checked my spam folder. I have the invite in there. So you did not invite me. I know you've been concerned about that for years. So. Did I not invite you? Because at the time, just so you know, I was like, I would talk to strangers. Like we were just trying to get anyone, anyone in Los Angeles there to fill the room. Well, that makes me feel worse. Thank you. No, <laughs> no I'm Clearly kidding. I'm joking. Wasn't, I'm I wasn't going out of state for for the invites. <laughs> so what's so what's next, the f- next one? You're you're always invited, Matt. Perfect. If you ever need someone to show their wiener, you know, let me know. I can get Alex on here, and he can. <laughs> 
I will keep that in mind. I will Thank keep that in mind. 4K only. <laughs> My agent will talk to you. 4K. Yeah. yeah. So what's what's next for you? I mean, I know you said you're working on a, the documentary on a um, on an overseas football, but what's next? Are you going to do another feature? Are you going to you like doing documentaries? What are some other work, and where can people find it? Yeah. So the closest thing I have to being done is this football documentary called Unicorn Town, and it's about Nick Alfieri, who who I mentioned previously, but he's a former Georgetown player who got into USC film school and which is, you know, the best film school in the world or, or, or mm-hmm. considered that. one of, mm-hmm. yeah, one of, um, but huge people have come out of it. So it was like, a, it was a huge opportunity. He decided to walk away and take an offer to go play professional football overseas, but he didn't want to give up this dream of, of being a filmmaker. So he decided to make a movie about, about the experience and the journey. Um, luckily it's all worked out really well. And he, uh, the team has gone on to win a, a couple championships. So it's been a, a great story to follow. And they've won sort of essentially the Super Bowl of Europe. Mm. Um, so we're, we're coming down the home stretch with that. And it's, it's finally really coming together. So I'm excited. And so, um, since you're in with Netflix, are they going to, is it easier to get considered now? Or do you have to do the process all over again? Yeah, I, th- I think, and, and Ladylike has had a, a fair amount of success on the platform, which is great. It trended for a bit and was featured in the comedy section. <laughs> So I think that helps um, and it, it should be easier moving forward. Not mm-hmm. that they would take anything that I send their way, but I, I think it'll be easier to get the, the foot in the door. Um, yeah. And then I'm working on a couple other things. Uh, the next thing I want to do is actually this, it's sort of a, a college football movie. Uh, it's sort of like Moneyball meets college football uh, and rethinking the, the recruiting game. So that's the next thing I, I hope to write and direct and I'm almost done with the script now. Oh, that's all. That's that's really exciting. I think that I mean we're due for a good college football movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's been it's, it has it hasn't been a good one since the program. So yeah, sports movies like they kind of come and go, but I, I think we're we're due for some more sports movies coming and, up. And I feel like a, a when it comes to a football movie, one that accurately depicts the play. Mm-hmm. Like a there's a there's one out there. There's a series that my wife is all into right now. It's on Netflix, all and right. it's good. American, yeah, it's yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Like it's really good. Like we enjoy it. The one part makes me cringe every time is the football scenes. I'm like, you've yeah. got to be kidding me! Like, they didn't like, consult any football player to block any of this for you guys. <laughs> like so, like it like, yeah, knowing, like no. coming up from like your perspective would be huge, just because you're like, no, that's not how a play looks. Like they're not sitting in the middle of the field waiting for a cross pattern. Like, yeah. like it just doesn't happen. And it just looks funny, even for the viewer who's watched a lot of football. You know when something doesn't look right, and you're like, mm-hmm. what is going on here? Yeah, especially um, when the quarterback can't throw in the movies where the girl, like the girl, flicks, they're like, yeah. they're like, well, they're the quarter, they're like the star quarterback the whole movie, and then later in the movie you finally see them like throw a pass, and you're like, whoa, wait a second, <laughs> that slight wobble to it. Yeah, yeah like, and then they're buying this whole movie until now. <laughs> and then and then and then when and then when the player the quits reveal. to be with the girl, like, can you imagine how mad your teammates would be? Oh yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I'm, dude, serious. come on, man! It's just and, and it's like a high school yeah. football movie too. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. No, you you got to get the sports right and you got to get the football right. One, I was on Friday Night Lights for a couple of seasons as a stunt man, um, oh. but they really did a great job capturing the football. So I, I, I have noticed that from that series, they yeah, do they a did, decent job. Though. They did a good job, especially right when you compare it to a lot of other TV projects. Oh, yeah. It's a totally different level. Oh yeah. Um, are you are you still doing some acting, or are you kind of behind the chair now? 
behind. I was only doing uh, really stunt work there for Friday Night Lights because I looked like a, a high school kid. Uh, <laughs> Except like, for your hey. biceps, man. Yeah. They're like, you can say a line. So they had me say a line. Uh, everyone else looked a little bit older and more like NFL players. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, you know, I can't thank you enough for doing this, man. And, and it's good just to see you because it's, been, yeah, it's been, been a minute. For sure. It's been too long. Um, Alex, do you have any more questions for Brent? Uh, I mean, no, no, nothing necessarily on the recorded line here. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> well, thank you guys. Fun. Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yes, thanks again, Matt. Well, well, be sure to check out Ladylike on Netflix, written, produced, and starring Brent Craft. Uh, and once again, Brent, thanks for being here. Yeah. So, and starring mostly the girls, not me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, although Brent, Brent apparently made a movie in the movie with a character. Um, were you, was she texting you? In the beginning of the movie, yeah. Luce text, like, let's make a movie. Is oh, that to you? You know what I did? I, I had her, essentially, she's texting another guy because she's kind of like a player herself. Uh-huh. So she was supposed to be texting another guy. I did name that guy Kyle, though, as for Kyle Vinsley. Yeah, yeah. So Kyle was one of my best friends at Georgetown and another player on the team. So that's right. why I, I mentioned nice. that. Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Brent. We'll talk yeah, to you later. Again, Brent. Thanks. All right, guys. Thanks so much.